Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Giddy up and welcome to Podcast 361, Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Morrison here as we take a deep dive into motivation, persuasion, influence, self-persuasion, and talk about your prospects today who are stuck in that funk, the despair, full of fear, not making any decisions. How do you deal with that person or even how do you deal with that in your own life? Let's talk about turning that despair that fear into confidence into a yes. Hopefully you're having a great week. Things are going well for you in this strange, weird world as things are just getting crazier and crazier. I did a leadership conference this week online to help managers become better leaders because all managers are not leaders. You see, a manager you do because you have to. A leader you do it because you want to. Big difference. Managers day-to-day, leadership tends to be more long-term. Managers about task, leadership's about people. So just because you tell someone to do something as a manager does not make you a leader. They are very different skills, very different tools in your persuasion and influence toolbox. Remember, that's the key. More tools in your toolbox. As Maslow says, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, you treat everyone like a nail. Quit trying to chop down that tree with a hammer. You could be persistent. You could pull it off. You could chop down a tree with a hammer. You could, but it's all about better tools, especially since most people have four or five, maybe six persuasion tools. There's over a hundred. If you want to check out the hundred tools, click on the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com for the 111 sales hacks. There's actually more than that, step-by-step, piece-by-piece. Just three minutes a day, I talk about the tool, the science, and how to apply it. MaximizeYourInfluence.com is a great way to contact me, too, with your emails. Take your free Persuasion IQ assessment and get the new edition of Maximize Your Influence for free. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. Everything you need is at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. There's a plug. Let's keep going. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Persuasion. This week, not the blunder, but the Persuasion Ninja. I'm not going to name names. It's a hotel called the Marriott. I guess I just named names, but I'm not going to name the location. Anyway, this is about inoculation. Now, inoculation is when you give someone the weak form of the disease, the antibodies, or we can call it the ammunition, to fight off the strong form of the disease, and you need to prepare people. Great persuaders always pre-solve objections before they happen. Time and time again, that's how it is. That's very important. Do not wait for the objection to happen pre-solve it before it happens. If you know they're going to whine about price, pre-solve it. Just like the lawyer says, hey, you know, they're going to call my client mean, ugly, and a bad member of society. And that's true, okay? But that's not why they're on trial here today. He's pre-solved it. When that comes up, it's not an issue because he's already inoculated. It's already brought it up. But this hotel, getting not going to name names, although I think I already did, or locations, There's this bug called the box elder bug, which, as far as bugs are concerned, I mean, bugs are bugs. No one likes bugs. But these bugs are probably in the nice bug category. They don't eat anything. They don't bite. They don't sting. They don't smell. They just exist. They're not that big of a deal. 
They're not very big. So as far as bugs concerned, probably in the nice category, but no one likes bugs. I mean, maybe some people do. But this particular bug is very annoying, gets into everything, and just gets inside the house. In fact, I have to deal with it sometimes in my house where this bug just gets in. It doesn't matter what you seal up, what you do, this bug is magical, can get into your house. So fast forward, this hotel has a box elder bug problem. They get in the rooms and they hang out. They don't eat anything. They don't do anything. They're just there. It's a bug. And so this hotel inoculates and say, hey, we do. We've got these bugs. We've tried everything. They're nice. They won't bite. They won't do anything. They might see a few in your room. If you do, we'll come get them. If you want, you can take care of them yourself. If you want, just leave them alone. They won't do anything. And so they prepared people ahead of time before they got in the room, before they saw the bugs. Because I guarantee you, once you're in the room and they saw the bugs, they would be upset, they'd be angry, what a gross hotel, what's going on. But they inoculated, they prepared them, and now the guests, it's not that big of a deal. They know these bugs aren't that big of a deal. They might be in there, and what they can do. They can take care of themselves, they can leave it, or they can call the hotel done, done, and done. So the lesson is it's always better to pre-solve objections, prepare people for what might happen whether than surprising them, blindsiding them, like we talked about last week, the persuasion sucker punch, blindsiding them with what is going on. A lot of times you want to keep it a secret, we don't tell, but if they're going to find out, they're going to know it's better to get them ready ahead of time before it happens than after it happens. That's inoculation. That's a persuasion tool. That's very, very important to know. Which brings us to our geeky scholarly article of the week from the Harvard Business Review and Sarah Gershman talking about virtual presenting is weird. I've brought this up, how crazy it is that Zoom and webinars take more bandwidth, more effort, less satisfaction than doing it face-to-face. And logically, it makes no sense, but she makes a pretty good case about this. We talked about this, I think, last month on a podcast, Zoom fatigue. But she talks about this virtual presenting. And I don't know what the new normal is going to be, but I do a lot more virtual presenting. In fact, I used to travel 150,000 miles a year, and I haven't traveled since March because things have changed. A lot more online virtual training. And so she kind of broke it down why this is the case, why it's not satisfying, why it takes more energy, why we don't like it. First of all, she says it's unnerving because there's a lack of audience response. We can't read the room. I mean, you could have their pictures and they're kind of looking. Some people don't even show their picture or show the video feed of their face. We just don't know. Even if you had a video face of the whole class, like when I teach a college course, and I have the video feed of everybody. It's still not the same. I have a monitor just for that. I'm looking at them, but it's not the same as reading an audience. You don't get the direct eye contact, and you just feel disconnected. We don't have that meaningful back-and-forth communication. People, it seems like online, just don't ask as many questions. They don't have as many comments. They don't give you as much feedback. And I know, I've been on the other end. People tend to multitask. They don't necessarily put on their video. It's easier not to answer the questions. And you really can't, like, face-to-face work the room. You can feel the energy, and you can really use that to become a better presenter. So that lack of body language, that lack of audience response, 
people not nodding their heads, that lack of eye contact makes us as presenters, we start to get into monotone, we go through the motions, it's not fulfilling, we tend to ramble and use more vocal fillers, and we have trouble finishing our thoughts. I mean, we can't even start it off right. Uh, is this working? Can you guys hear me? Is everyone there? Don't do that. Don't start off that way. You're starting off with a 10-yard, 15-yard penalty doing something like that. Just go. They'll tell you if they can't hear you or have somebody online that will send you a, a text or a chat that says we can't hear you. But don't start off. Uh, we all there? Can everyone see me? Are we all logged in? Okay. Because remember, when I get into persuasive presentations, you only have 30 seconds to grab their attention, and that is not grabbing their attention. So change it up. Create a little intrigue, a little curiosity. Emotionally connect. How can you do that? I know it's tough. It's a little harder. You can do intros. You can ask the class one thing they want to learn from your training or presentation. You can provide an agenda. You can let them know how much time you're going to be there. That's a critical thing time. I need to talk about that. Because if you say 30 minutes and you go over, they will hate you. I mean, I mean, it depends on the relationship. But if the expectation's 30 minutes and you go past that 30-minute mark, A, they're not listening. B, they don't like you. C, they're mad. D, they want to hit you because that's just how it is. So be very, very careful with that. One thing I do too, beginning of a webinar or a Zoom-type call, I say, look, I'm going to put my heart and soul into this. You do the same thing. Put your phone away, turn off your computer. And I know not everyone does that, but let's know, hey, I'm all in, you do the same. So what can we do to be more engaging? You know, I'll always prefer face-to-face. That's my love. That's what I prefer to do. But you can keep more engagement by letting them know that every question you ask needs to be answered, either out loud or via chat. You can give assignments to people ahead of time and they can help participate in the course. You can do group activities. You can show videos. A lot of different things that you can do. Now, you don't have to go the extreme that I go. I have probably three, four monitors, a couple cameras, a couple microphones. I've got a whiteboard, different things going on. Try to treat it as live as possible. That's something you can do to switch it up. There's no reason you have a camera on a whiteboard, camera with just a normal background, monitor for your PowerPoint, monitor for their faces. A lot of different things you can do to switch it up. Stand up. Get some energy. That's a big one. Now, I'm with you. I like to sit down on my office chair as a lazy boy, a little relaxing in my sweats. But hey, stand up, get a little more energy. Although when I stand up, I'm still in my sweats, but I will put on a jacket, maybe something a little nicer, so they can see, I don't know the words, I'm serious about it, that this is something that's important. So Harvard Business Review, virtual presentations, kind of crazy. Why we hate it, what we can do to improve it and how to keep people more engaged on those webinars. Which brings us to listener email. Oh, boy. And again, anytime you can contact me at Kurt, K-O-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And when I use your email on the show, you get free access to InfluenceUniversity.com, which is the advanced persuasion course. Everything I have, all my training in one spot piece by piece to get you some more advanced influence tools. This is Brad from Utah. That's in the United States. He says, I'm loving persuasive presentations. Listeners, that's an advanced program on creating persuasive presentations. In fact, I'll put a link to that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Give you a little special discount. He says, 
I don't know if you remember me. We met at a big network marketing event. There were thousands of people there and you did a keynote address. He says, I'm the one wearing a yellow suit. Now, I think I remember you, Brad. Yellow suits are out there, kind of obnoxious, kind of loud. I thought of Curious George. If you ever read that book, Curious George, The Man in the Yellow Suit. If not, look it up. I'm Again, it seems familiar, but anyway, there were a lot of people there that day. He goes on to say, during these COVID times, my prospects are frozen, delaying decisions and full of despair, and some of them are even depressed. He says, how can I change their mindset, give them hope, and get them to make a decision? Let's talk about self-persuasion a little bit. You. I mean, we live in crazy times. The news, the media, the despair, the virus, elections, crazy times, things happening, politics, just nuts all the way around. A lot of people watch a lot of news and social media will get sucked into despair and fear. And of course, they make a decision. They want to wait to see what the new normal is. What if, what if, what if? And of course, it's all very, very negative. And when that happens, people don't make decisions. When you're stuck in fear, you get frozen. You don't want to make a decision. So this is true in your personal life and the prospects that you're working with. So in your personal life, just kind of think about a few things that you could do to get past that. Now, first of all, nobody wants to be around someone that's full of depression and despair. I know sometimes you can't help it, and there's a lot of reasons. But as I research laws of charisma, we know that optimistic people are great leaders. They're more influential, and they build that hope and that vision for the future. That's the person you want to be. We don't need another person that's negative and doubtful like we talked about last week. We need someone full of hope, inspiration, that's excited about the future. So in your personal life, let me just give you a few tidbits to start thinking about is, first of all, is just breathe. There's something about getting more oxygen. When we're full of fear, it's short, shallow breaths, more oxygen, I'd say more sunlight. They even say bare feet outside, negative ions make a huge difference. So those are just little things that you can do. And then just have the mindset that, yeah, it's bad, it's negative, but it'll pass, it'll get better. You look at the history of the world, bad things have happened before, but it always changes, it always gets better, it always improves. And we know that millionaire successful people have the ability to make decisions when people are frozen and not doing anything. They're making decisions and doing things that will be profitable in the future because they know ultimately things will work out. Another thing you can do personally before we talk about your prospect is just surround yourself with more optimistic, positive people. I know there's some people that you can't get rid of. They might be family members. You might be married to them. You might. Anyway, I'm not going to go further in detail on that one, but just try to spend less time with them. Don't let it affect you. Be around more positive people. That can change your outlook and give you a little more hope. One I love that works well for me is more time with kids. <laughs> Go bug hunting, hang out, play games, wrestle. There's just something about hanging out with young kids that just changes everything. Maybe you spend a little time to have a gratitude list and count your blessings and things that you do have that you're doing better than most. And things maybe aren't as bad as the media or the world is telling you. A couple others that work for me that I've noticed, you know when life is beating you up, exercise, going for a run, lifting weights can do wonders, getting a little more sleep. Even better than that, go out and serve somebody, help somebody. You can't really be depressed and full of despair yourself when you're helping other people. There's just something magical about it, and it's the right thing to do. So that's you personally if you're stuck in despair or depression or you're full of fear at these times. Now let's talk about your prospects. What can you do with your prospects? Now some of them are beyond repair 
and not necessarily individually, but corporate, they're just not making decisions. Try to get a decision maybe three, four months down the road for another meeting to make a decision to do what you want them to do. It's always easier to get someone to make a decision three months down the road than right now. Now, I know you want the decision right now, but that doesn't always happen. Three months down the road is better than never. And remember, too, don't get the no. There's a time and place for no. Sometimes it's refreshing to get a no, especially if it's going to save you some time. But if you're sensing, you're pushing a little bit, you're coming to your call to action, don't let them say no. Say, hey, let's revisit this in a couple months. Let's do this. Let's put it on the calendar. Let's do this and this. I want to do a little more research. Let's see what the economy is going to do. Let's see what this is going to happen. Uh, maybe is easier to turn into a yes than a no into a yes. I'm just saying, just putting it out there, something to think about during these crazy times. And on the same note, sometimes micro deadlines and people are full of fear is just easier. We talk about sequential requests, just a little bit at a time. When people are full of fear or despair, smaller decisions, so three or four decisions is easier than one big decision. Three or four deadlines is easier than one big deadline. So that's something to think about too. That's always true in the world of persuasion, but especially true when they're full of fear or despair or depression. Just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little nudge, a little nudge. So four or five persuasive yeses is easier than one big, huge persuasion yes. Because you have to understand when people are full of this despair, this fear, we'll even say worry, that's all forms of fear. Worry is a form of fear. Worry is negative goal setting. Everything's going to crash. Bad things are going to happen. They are thinking about all these negative things. When I teach persuasive presentations or public speaking, that happens with most people. Oh, what if I forget everything? What if they don't listen? What if they walk out? What if I'm boring? What if I can't answer their questions? Well, ding, ding, ding. We know that your thoughts control your emotions and your emotions control your actions. So if your thoughts are stuck on negative things, you're worrying about everything, that changes the game. That tends to happen. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, first of all, worry can come from indecision. So get them to start making those minor decisions we were talking about. And when people are stuck on worry, and this is true in your personal life, and we've talked about this before, when people are stuck on worry or you're stuck on worry, it's because your vision's not strong enough, you can't see yourself doing it. You cannot persuade anybody unless they can see themselves doing it mentally. The universe will not reward you physically until you can see it mentally. You've got to build a vision. So when they're stuck on worry, start getting them to make decisions, get them out of the past, get them thinking about the future, start building that vision where they can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, and believe it, and do it. That is key. And you want to talk in a language, and an NLP is called presupposition, where you're talking in a way where it's just happening. They're already doing it. You would say something like, what do we meet next Thursday? That presupposes you're going to meet. You're going to love how the car handles in the mountain. That presupposes they're going to get the car. There's things you can do. You don't want to lead with that, but once you got them in and you can talk in a way, they're going to do it. You can build a picture and you can build that vision. That's what makes the biggest difference. Get them from worry, make a few decisions and a vision. They can visualize it. You can insert a little hope. That's what makes a difference. Because really, there's only two motivators in life, inspiration and desperation. We've talked about that before. Desperation, you're moving away from something. You're getting away. You don't like it versus inspiration. There's hope. You're in the future. You're excited. Because you can face a future with great excitement or apprehension. It's your choice. But you got to get them from desperation into inspiration, into hope, moving towards something. That's what vision does. Influential people, charismatic leaders, all have the ability to do this. And one final thing, 
that'll get people out of despair, out of their funk, get past their fear and their worry, is talk about past victories, things they've done, success stories, things done in the past. It gives them more hope. It realizes they've been successful in the past. It gets them past that despair and changes their mindset. So Brad, hopefully that helps you out. A few things that you can do to implement there for you personally in your life and for those prospects you're trying to move. Because remember, if you can't persuade yourself, you can't lead yourself, you can't lead other people, you can't persuade other people. So you got to work on yourself first, get yourself in the right state, get yourself a little more hope, get yourself a little better vision, and that'll transfer to your prospect. And you can use some of the tools that we talked about today. So I'm going to post two special deals at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, the 111 sales hacks and the persuasive presentations give you a special deal. But thanks for being here. Thanks for your love, your support, your feedback, your emails. Really appreciate that. Makes a big difference for me in doing this podcast. Hit like, hit subscribe, tell your family, friends, and enemies. Remember, we're on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio under Maximize Your Influence. If you're feeling brave, go to Pinterest and Instagram. We're under Max Influence. But as you know, take one thing you learned today, apply it, make it a tool in your toolbox of influence, and go out and persuade with power.